0: This is fantastic what God is doing, and we want that those things also here in South Florida and in Boca Raton, and in our children and our grandchildren as well. So, please be involved, Matt and Katie. Will be in the back afterwards. If you want to greet them and say hello to them, learn anything else about Iwana afterwards. Uh, that's one of our major partners that we work with around the world. So. Thank you very much, Matt, and your family, your two boys are here, and friend, and it's all good to have you here on vacation, and thanks for taking the day back to work. So if you have your Bibles, we've started a little late here, so I'll try to keep it on time, but Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 14, and we'll go down to verse 24, Matthew 6, take the Bible in front of you, use an app, or Use your own Bible, whatever you have. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, They have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 19 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your body, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. These are great verses, and I have spoken a lot on these verses over the years out of just single sermons. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're visiting us, it's our a full sermon that Christ gave early in His ministry, and we're about halfway through it. And we're in some very familiar passages now. The first part is three parts of this. There's this issue of forgiving, an issue of fasting, and then the issue of two masters. And we'll talk about that very quickly. The issue of forgiving comes out of the previous passage, which is the Lord's Prayer, which we talked about last week. If you weren't here, please listen to it. But it's the only thing that Jesus comes back to. He doesn't come back to uh, even the praise of the father. He doesn't come back to keeping us from evil. He doesn't come back giving us our daily bread, but he comes back to this idea of forgiveness. Verse 14 says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. This is a hard thing to understand, but basically what he is saying is forgive to be forgiven. Now I know that's hard to understand, it's hard to grasp, and we're not talking about salvation forgiveness now, we're talking about relational forgiveness. But the issue is this, we all want people to apologize and we all want, but we need to understand that we need to forgive to be forgiven. There are so many times I take the side of the victim and I'm going, someone needs to apologize to you, but you may have caused the sin You need to apologize. There's this sense of being forgiven when you forgive. And it's here and it's so important. I don't know that I can explain it any better, but just say that God, through Christ, is calling us to be forgiving people. We are to be forgiving people. We're always asking God to forgive us. We're asking God to bless us. And we need to be people who forgive. We need to be people who bless others as well, and forgiving is a part in the beginning of blessing others as well. And then he goes in in verse 16 to fasting. Now fasting is an interesting thing because we misuse that word a lot in our 21st century context. I had a guy tell me that he was fasting from hot water. I don't think that that's what this is talking about. Some of you have said you're fasting from chocolate. I don't think that's what this is talking about. What this is talking about is that when you fast, we'll talk about what you are to do, but when you fast, you are fasting because you're not eating and you are having a relationship to the Lord. You are praying, you're reading, you're studying, you're meditating, fasting, now you can fast And have no chocolate, and you can fast, and have no hot water, and you can fast. That's fine. I'm all for that. But don't think that's a spiritual fast, a spirit unless you eat so much chocolate that when you don't, you have enough time to pray and to study and to devote to God. Then that's okay. But please understand that fasting is about stopping the intake of food, which back then was twice a day, sometimes only once a day back then. For us, many times, it's three times a day. For the hobbits in Middle Earth, it was, what, seven times a day. (laughs) Whatever it is that you're not eating, but you're praying and connecting with God. So at breakfast, you're not eating breakfast, you're connecting with God, you're fasting. Now, you can fast one meal a day, you can fast for 10 days, you can do whatever you want, as long as... It is a spiritual journey that you're doing. And here's what he says. I mean, when we look in the Bible, it's only commanded in one place in the Bible, and that is for the Day of Atonement back in the Law of Moses. But people fasted. Remember Esther asked her people to fast for her? Jeremiah fasted. Uh, Paul fasted before he was sent out from the church of Antioch. Jesus fasted. There's Just before this, in the previous couple of chapters, fasting is important but what he is saying here is when you fast don't make it a big deal to everybody else because when you fast you tend to you're denying yourself things and we love to be martyrs don't we and you know i didn't eat today because i was fasting and i didn't eat yesterday because i'm fasting i just want you to know i'm a little grumpy because i didn't eat but i'm fasting that's not what he's saying he's saying Don't even let people know that you're fasting. So if you're fasting, now you can tell your spiritual mentor, you can tell your spouse, not that, but it's don't walk in here so that we all know that you're fasting. Because if I come up to you and go, oh, you must be fasting, there's your reward, it's done, it's over with. But what God wants to do if you're fasting is to teach you something spiritually during the process. If it's for any other reason, that's fine, but it's not a spiritual fast. I'm okay with intermittent fasting, I'm okay with the Daniel thing, I'm okay with all those things, but please understand that it is about your relationship to God when you're fasting spiritually fasting. Again, we use that word to mean a lot of things. I'm fasting from and you name a food, I'm fasting from you name I'm fasting from TV. Well, you're not fasting from TV, unless you're doing those three hours a night, you're praying and studying, then you are fasting from TV. But if not, you're just stopping TV because it's about bad influence on you and that's good. But please understand what fasting really is about. It's about connecting with God. It's a spiritual discipline. It's not just the stopping of something else. Because food is not bad, but we're stopping food so that we have time Because remember back then, they had to prepare the food, they had to make the food, they had to knead the food, they had to cook the food, they had to do all those things to make the food. So when you just stop at Chick-fil-A or somewhere else and just pick it up, you think, oh, wow, well, someone else did all that work. But you stop and pray and have silence and solitude or whatever. You can do that at work, you can do that at home, you can do that, you don't have to go to the beach or the mountain to do that. But realize when you do it, do it in secret. Because the reward, it's not just the reward in heaven, I'll get a reward later on, but it's the spiritual reward you're getting by connecting with God more than normal. I don't know if you've done that or not, but it is an amazing thing to connect with God longer in a day than you normally do. If you take 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes in the morning to pray and to read, what if you took an hour and a half one day What if you took two hours one day? Maybe you can't do that every day. We're not asking you to do that every day, but you do that. Wow, what an enrichment that could have. And that's what he's saying here. So when you fast, because he's not even saying fast every day, the problem was the Pharisees fasted twice a week, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, and everybody would know it. And that's not what we're doing here. So let me give you three quick thoughts on this. Because we talked about praying last week. We talked about giving two weeks ago. We're talking about fasting. Three quick thoughts. Don't pray to look good. Don't pray to look good. People pray in public around me, and I think they're trying to impress me. I struggle with people praying with me because they think they have to impress the pastor. Please don't. This is a conversation between you and the Almighty God who is your Father. It's not about me. So don't be afraid to pray in my presence and think that you have to make it better or in Elizabeth's presence and it has to be better. No, you're not praying to be good, you're praying to be godly. Two, don't give to be recognized. The whole giving and quiet, that whole thing, don't give to be recognized. That's a sermon from two and three weeks ago, if you weren't here. And then the third is don't fast to look overly spiritual. Don't fast because as soon as you do, then it's hypocritical and you've lost it. You remember this whole sermon is about the heart. So if your heart is not right, what good is it? You could be reading the Bible. You know, I read 20 chapters this morning. How about you? You only read three? Oh my goodness. I prayed for 45 minutes this morning. You only prayed for 10? Come on, right? You say you don't do that, but you really do, because I hear it. People go, yeah, I read, you know, people try to read through the Bible in one year. I read it through in half a year. Did any of it stick? That's what's more important. I struggle with reading the Bible through in a year. I get stuck. I'm like, wow, look at that. I park on it and I'm supposed to be 10 chapters beyond. I can't do it. It's like, what is God teaching me here? I, I haven't even learned Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I got to read the rest. Then he goes on in verse 19, real quick. And I've preached on this so many times. So if you're here, you're a regular, you know this. Do not lay up treasures on earth where moth rust and, and thie- destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth, rust, destroy, or thieves break in and steal. He, he gives three little duets. He talks about uh, treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. He talks about the eye, the eye letting in light, the eye not letting in light. And then he talks about um, what do you serve? Who is your master? Is it God or is it money? These little duets. And it's interesting. And... It's important to realize this. So treasures on earth, moth rust, destroy, and thieves break in and steal. Ultimately, we understand that everything we own here will burn up. I hope you understand that, don't you? Well, certainly if you have money in the stock market, it blew up this year. (laughs) Everybody was so smart last year when those stocks were going up. You remember? Oh, wow, I'm smart. You're smart. And then this year they all went down, right? You couldn't bail out fast enough. It just comes, it goes. Real estate is up. Can I let you know, someday real estate will be down. I told you, those who know me, uh, finally the house I was born in got torn down behind Meisner Park. It was the last old house back there. And they finally tore it down this year. We haven't lived in it since I was a kid. It was old, decrepit, and they tore it down. Why? Because... It had been destroyed inside. The pipes were rusty. Everything was falling apart. They tore the house down. Nothing lasts forever, except what you take to heaven. Now, what is it that we can take to heaven? Have you ever thought of that? What is it you can take to heaven? There's really only one thing you can take to heaven. It's other people. My money's not going to heaven. My education's not going to heaven. God doesn't certainly need this. These other things—my so good looks, whatever you want to call it—it's all going to pass away. So, when you share the gospel, when you live out the gospel, that's going to heaven. When Ruth Tenney's and led Ashton to the Lord, that's going to heaven. That's going to heaven. Now, there's other things you can do. You give and you do things to help people, obviously. That's a part of what we do. It's all what we do. But ultimately, the only thing we can take to heaven is people. Now, we are going to rust away and decay away and fall away. Absolutely. But God is creating a new person in us, both spiritually and eventually physically. It's a beautiful picture. And then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And it's a little confusing because is, it, is the eye letting the light in or is the eye, the focus, letting the light out? Because he talks about both. It's interesting. When I go to the optometrist, they're showing me all those pictures nowadays. Have you ever gone, you know, the way they dilate eyes is totally different and all the rest, I have bad eyes. So they check it out. And what they're wanting to look at are the blood vessels behind the eye. They wanna make sure the pressures are right, and it's all right, so that I can keep intaking the light and that light can have an effect on my life, meaning I can translate it into my brain and see what it is and it's all that, do you see that? And if something blocks, either inside, because it's the backside of the eye that most times, it, there's front things like cataracts and all, but in the back, the pressures and the blood vessels pop and all that other thing, so your eye can get cloudy both from the front And from the back. And that's what it's saying, that God wants us to have clear vision inward and out of the heart, clear vision outward. It's kind of an odd thing because we only think that vision comes inward. But what he's saying is our heart also gives vision. And it's a beautiful thing. And we know that to be true. And so it's both a blockage that can come in and it's a blockage that can go out. And he's saying, make sure you're focused. This week, We were uh, down, we took our staff on our offsite, we do it every year, and we went down to Pompano to Hillsborough by the lighthouse, and uh, Cameron got us up into the lighthouse. I love lighthouses. We all are on the top of that lighthouse at Hillsborough Inlet and looking. And I was asking the guy, the historian that opened it up for us, the preservation guy, who was up there, you know, that lighthouse has the original optics, the original optics from 1905 or 06, it's the original glass up there. And then he said these words. He said, all the powerful lighthouses in the world that were stronger than this lighthouse are no longer lighthouses anymore. They're there, but they're not working. He said, this has the farthest power of any lighthouse in the world. The little one down the way, 27 to 35 miles and occasionally 50 miles if the atmospheric, um, you know, things are right. Can you imagine? 30, 40 miles, you can see that light. There is a sense, and we heard earlier in this sermon that you are the light of the world, that's going out, but also the light is coming in, and both are important. That's why spiritual disciplines are important, bringing it in, but also sending it out. And then finally... He talks about two masters and we've talked about this a lot. This is the important thing about two masters. Everybody serves someone or something. We are all a servant to someone or something. We must understand that we are not the masters of ourselves despite that great poem written 150 years ago. We are not our own masters. We are not the captains of our lives even though Robin Williams stood on that chair and said we were. If you remember that movie, we're not that. We are all serving something or someone. And the question is this, are you serving God or are you serving something else? And mammon in the old translation is actually money, but it could be anything that you serve. We in this country use money as kind of the catch all of it. Who are you gonna serve? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to choose whom this day you will serve. And Moses said, who will you serve this day? Life or death? It's a choice. Now our time is up and it's short today because we've had so many great things happening today. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week and a friend who's down here recommended it to me and I had heard some of them talk And he talked about, and he was doing a little interview, why the American church is going downhill. And he said two things, and I'd like to give three. Can I do it? And I want you to think through these. He said, why is, the church looks like it's growing because we have all these mega churches, but in reality it's going down, even though there's more people in the big churches. He said, why is all that happening? And he said three things. Number one, in the churches before, like three generations ago, so even before this church. The churches of 100 years ago. When you walked into church, you walked by something. Do you know what you walked by? Does anybody remember? You weren't here, but when you see movies about churches, what did you walk by before you walked into church? A cemetery, right? The churchyard cemetery that was either in front of the church or beside the church or even behind the church. Little, little cemetery, and he said, we have done away with cemeteries in our lives. And he said, the thing about a cemetery is when you walk into church, you realize that you are a mortal person. You see, we are mortals. This will end for us. But nowadays, what do we do? We don't even go to the cemetery anymore. We don't do anything. We just cremate or whatever, and I'm not against cremation. This is not an anti-cremation thing, but it's kind of like, going to the cemetery is good. You say, Bill, that's morbid. It is not morbid, what it does is show the mortality of us. And the reality is this, as good as I am, it is going to be over someday. And as good and great as you think you are, it is going to be over someday. Are you ready for it to be over? And we don't see that when we walk into church. We tend to be a little more narcissistic, it's more about me, I'm good, I'm great, and things like that. But at some point in time, you've got to realize your mortality. Number two, and this was the one I add into it, is we're missing, and if I can use an old phrase from the Apostles' Creed of the 5th century, we're missing the communion of the saints. We are missing the body of Christ. A few years ago, if you watched a TV show service or you listen to a preacher on the radio, you would say these words. you say, oh, I just listened to so-and-so on the radio. What a great sermon. Or I listened to so-and-so on TV. It was a good sermon, a bad sermon, whatever. I listened to some good Christian music on the radio or on my MP3 or now the iPhone or whatever. You'd say that. But nowadays, what do we say when you listen to that pastor? You go, I went to church Easter time just 3 months ago I was having lunch with some people afterwards and I asked the person he went to a church uh, in another town close by I said how was church today he goes fantastic I go great and I know the pastor's name I go how did so and so do the service cuz I'm always interested he goes oh I don't go to that church anymore and he named a church 800 miles away and I said he goes I went to that church I go what does went to that church mean He's healthy. Now, those of you online that are, have to be online, that's why we do live stream. But those of you who are online, who don't have to be online, come on back to church, because there are things that happen here that cannot happen on TV, and it's called the body of Christ. We are the embodiment of Jesus Christ on this earth, and God has called us to be a part of that. And the fellowship, or the old word, the communion of the saints, is the coming together. Way back, four generations ago, what happened on Sunday mornings? Everybody came to Sunday school at nine o'clock. they all separated in different age groups and got to fellowship. Then they'd all come together for coffee and talk about it and do the whatever. And then they'd come into church and sing and have the word. And then afterwards, they'd go to lunch together. It was like this four or five hour event of What I call the communion of the saints. Now you shoot in and you shoot out 55 minutes later and you've had church. No, what you've had is listen to some worship. You might've heard a good word from the Bible or not. And then you're off to live your life. Let me tell you, the church of Jesus Christ in the United States is failing because it's not acting like the church of Jesus Christ, which is the embodiment of it. And that's why at this church, We have community groups. We come together. It's important. We we don't have a cemetery. You're going to have to figure out the mortality thing. (laughs) There's a cemetery a block away. Here's the final part. The altar call. The altar call. The coming forward to repent, to understand your relationship to Christ, to have a prayer given by someone else, Why is that so important? Two reasons. And he was talking about this. Number one, for the person walking forward. They have a need in their life. They need prayer. Uh, They need a spiritual awakening. They have a family member who needs Jesus. Whatever it may be, come forward. Many of you have come forward. But that is not the only reason. It is for the rest of us to see that there is mercy in this place. There is mercy in this place. And I know people are afraid to walk forward because, oh my goodness, they'll all see that I've got a problem. Well, can I tell you, everybody in the seats have a problem too. And you're just willing to walk forward, acknowledge it, and let us pray for you and help you. And the coming forward, not that coming forward does anything, except it is a picture of the mercy of God. As people are coming forward, you and I, as participants out here, can go, wow, God is working mercy here. God worked mercy on me just a year ago, just a week ago, just six weeks ago. You can be reminded of the mercy and grace of God in your own life. Now, I've gone too long, so I'm going to end it here. But I'm going to come down because I want to pray I need to pray for myself. I'm not gonna pray out loud. I need prayer. Pastors need prayer as well. And if any of you wanna come forward because you have a spiritual need of any type and join me here, there'll be people that will pray with you or if you can pray by yourself. You can kneel, you can stand, you can turn this way, you can turn that way, I don't really care because we're looking to God anyway. But if you'd like to come forward if you need Jesus Christ and you've never met Jesus Christ, I want you to come forward. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Christ and you have a need, come forward. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ but have walked away for a while and you need to come back to Jesus, just come on forward. Just walk forward. There's no, nothing going on, maybe some piano in a minute. I don't know. But if you need to come, come forward. Just walk on forward with me and I'll pray with you.